Good morning. It's great to be here. I, I miss being with you last week, if, if you were here. I, I needed some time away, and I have a motorcycle, and I thought, well, I, I just am going to go and see where I end up. Well, 1,750 miles out, I realized, well, now i got to go all the way back, right? Because that's the thing, is has got to be a round trip here. And so I went out and saw some beautiful things I've certainly never experienced, made it all the way out to Glacier National Park, and kind of in the middle of that, I mean, there was smoke, as we know here, now it's here. Maybe I brought it here, I'm not exactly sure. But out there, looking at all this amazing uh, handiwork of, of our creator, I, I was just in awe, both of the scale and the scope and just the grandiose nature of, of all that God created. And it was kind of in that, in that middle of that experience that, well, I felt two things. One, I felt very small, but then I also felt very thankful because this God that created all of this, all of this amazing stuff that we can barely even start to comprehend, cares about me and knows my name. And that is truly an amazing thing. We talk a lot about God in kind of a general sense, but the God we have is also very personal. We're going to talk a lot about that today as we continue in our, founda- our foundation series. We've made it now to John chapter 10. Uh, Pastor Steve did a great job last week covering the entire chapter uh, of chapter 9. And if you recall, the whole kind of uh, driving story in that chapter is Jesus healing this man that was born blind. And so it's important for us to realize that even though there's a break in our Bibles uh, between the chapter and verse and all that kind of stuff, it might seem like, well, there's a, there's a distance between where chapter 9 ends and where chapter 10 begins. But I want us to know up front that this is a continuation of what was happening in chapter 9. And John chapter 10 is probably something that's at least part of it, the first part of it anyway, probably sounds really familiar to you. Even if you're here for the first time, you've never been to church before, you're not a Christian, still, a lot of the first 21 verses in John chapter 10, there are some very familiar sounding things in there. But just because we might recognize the words or just because we might even have some of them memorized doesn't really mean that we know how they apply to the people that heard them the first time and and how they apply to us. And so we want to take that time. But as as we've been working our way through John, we've run into a few of these I am statements, right? We've heard Jesus say, I am the bread of life. And then we also heard Jesus say, I am the light of the world. And those were kind of spaced out over several chapters. But now we're coming to, we have two of these I am statements right in the same little chunk of scripture. And so in order to deal with that, we're going to split it into two. This, this, this week, we're going to look at John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. And then next week, we will look at a, verses 11 to 21. The reason we're doing that is because when we get to verse 11, you're going to hear the most famous, probably, of all of the I, I am statements, which is, I am the good shepherd. And so because that is so familiar and because that is so powerful, we tend to kind of skip over the I am statement that's tucked in verses 7 and 9 because they're, they're so close together. And in that particular statement, Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door for the sheep. 
Now, in some of these translations, it, it might be translated as gate. Matter of fact, we're going to read scripture today. I'm giving you a disclaimer up front. I will change the word gate to door because the, the Greek word is the same and you can translate it either way. So you might have a, a Bible translation that, that either says door or gate. Uh, but Jesus makes this statement, I am the door for the sheep, which of course then brings us into this thinking about, well, what does this mean? This, this whole imagery, this word picture that Jesus is using that talks about the relationship between shepherd and sheep. How does that pertain to this situation that happened in John chapter nine? Why is Jesus saying this? There are not any other um, parables in the gospel of John. This is the closest that we have. Now you might know in, in the other gospels, there are several parables that Jesus tells, but this is the closest thing we have to those kinds of parables. There's only one and it's right here. And Jesus is using this as a way to teach the people he's talking to about themselves, but not just to them. It teaches us about ourselves as well and our relationship to him and what does it mean for us to have a shepherd. We're going we're gonna to take a look at all that. But before we, we dive in and, and get into the details here, would you just pray with me and, and ask God to be here with us right now and to do what only he can do. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your grace and your mercy. Lord, we know we don't deserve it. And at the same time, we're so thankful. We're thankful, Lord, that, that you are so amazing, that you can be the one who has created the heavens and the earth and all that exists and still know how many hairs we have on our head. Call us by our name. Lord, we ask that, that you be so personal to us and through us right now in this time we have together that, that you speak directly to our hearts, that we know how to tune our ears to your voice and hear it alone. And Lord, I ask that it not be my words that are proclaimed here, but it be your very word, because we know, Lord, your word does what it says. So we ask you now to bring us new life, new life that's only possible in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, this statement, I am the door. What, what does that mean? Well, I mean, at least at some level, we know what it's like to walk in and out of doors. We do this all day long, right? We, we go through certain doors. Uh, we find that certain doors are, are closed. Certain doors are open. Maybe sometimes, you know, if the door is closed, we can maybe see through to the other side because there might be a window and we can see what's going on. But a lot of other times, we don't really know what's behind the door. Uh, and so we, we walk into it kind of unknowing. We don't know what's coming. Uh, Matter of fact, there was, well, a lot of you younger people, you weren't even born when this happened, but there was a game show uh, in the, I think it started maybe even in the 60s, but it was definitely into the 70s. And I've, I've seen reruns on this, and maybe you have too, but it was called Let's Make a Deal. Anybody remember that? Hey, all right, we got some people that remember Let's Make a Deal. Well, the essence of Let's Make a Deal was you're trying to claim either door number one, door number two, or door number three. And, and the game is, well, you want to pick the door that has, you know, the car or whatever big prize behind it because the other two doors have goats behind it. You don't want those doors unless you want a goat, but then 
you'd be happy. But people are trying to trade and negotiate and, and make a deal to get the door that they believe has the car behind it. And so this, this idea of the door, well, what does Jesus mean by that when he's talking about it, especially in the context of the shepherd and the sheep? And uh, so that's what we want to take a look at uh, specifically today. What does he mean by saying he's the door? But that, now I'm going to take you back in a little bit of a trip down memory lane. If you were, if you were with us last year, I guess it's been over a year now, but we spent some time going through all of Psalm 23. Anybody remember that? Two people. Hey, that's good. That's better than zero. You know, thank you, Carol. Okay, so Carol remembers we went through Psalm 23. And what we asked everyone to do was memorize those verses. Not very many verses, six verses. Can we memorize that together? And because we were meeting virtually at that particular point, we said, well, hey, if you do it, would you video, record yourself, and then upload it so that we can kind of have this... We didn't have a lot of people that did that, but the people, Carol, you actually did it. So thank you very much. Uh, so there were some people that did that, but there's something powerful, again, with this imagery that's not just in Psalm 23, but that's probably the most famous place where we, we get this word picture, this image of the Lord being our what? Shepherd. Shepherd. Yes. And so... If you were with us and if you memorized it, then now we're going to have a challenge. We're going to say this together, but don't panic if you didn't memorize it or you weren't here with us and you don't know what we're even talking about. The words will be on the screen as well, but we're going to say Psalm 23 together because that should help us start to get in the right mindset of what we're going to be talking about as it pertains to the relationship between shepherd and sheep. All right. You ready? You got to warm up or anything? No. Okay. All right. Good. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me along the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. There are so many powerful promises just contained in that. This recognition that, that David has as, as the person that wrote this, his relationship with God, recognizing that he, as a sheep in the fold of God, needs to be led by this shepherd. It's deeply true. This, this contains very deep truths. And these are all themes that are, are not just contained in Psalm 23, but there are other places all throughout scripture where uh, the Lord has used this imagery over and over again. And sometimes that might sound a little ambiguous, especially when Jesus says something like, I am the door for the sheep. You know, what, what in the world is he talking about? Maybe that's one of the reasons why we tend to sort of skip over it and go right to the, I am the good shepherd. That's more accessible to us. We think we know more about that, even though we most likely don't know very much 
about what it's like to shepherd a flock of sheep in the Middle East, right? I know I don't. I am from Iowa, but full disclosure, I didn't grow up on a farm. I don't really know what happens on a farm. I certainly have never shepherded any sheep. Uh, and I don't know, I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know that any of us, or at least maybe not many of us, have been involved in shepherding sheep in the Middle East, okay? So it helps us to remember this idea of, of what it's like for God to be our provider, our protector, our great physician, uh, and to do this as a shepherd cares for the sheep. And so we're gonna see this over and over again. And my hope is that we can kind of remember some of that stuff because God continues to refer to his people as sheep and himself, or the Lord, as the shepherd. Uh, Psalm 77 verse 20 says, you led your people like a flock. Uh, Psalm 95 verse seven, he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. And so the key thing that I hope that we remember about sheep is not so flattering necessarily, because remember, sheep are not the smartest animals in the animal kingdom. Somebody after the service, the first service actually said, uh, you're absolutely right on sheep. They, I've worked with sheep for a long time and they are not smart. And uh, so th maybe sometimes, you know, we, we kind of we think, uh, well, sheep, yeah, they're cute and fuzzy. But here's some important characteristics to remember. Sheep, they don't take care of themselves well. They don't know how to take care of themselves, matter of fact. If they get separated from the flock, big trouble. They, they, they can't see very well. They have real, really no way to defend themselves. They're very, very vulnerable animals. If they are walking and they stumble and fall and, and end up on their back, uh, they can't roll back over. Uh, so they, they will actually, if, it's, if they get far enough over, uh, they will suffocate uh, under the pressure on their lungs. They won't be able to breathe and they'll eventually die. And so sheep are very, very vulnerable. They need someone to care for them. They need someone to protect them. They need someone to lead and guide them. And so we could, we could say it this way. Sheep must be led or they're dead. Sheep must be led or they're dead. It's really that simple. And so if you have your Bible, again, we're going to be in John chapter 10. You can get your Bible out. You can read it on your phone. Uh, again, I'm going to use the word door instead of gate, even though you're going to see on the screen, it's going to say gate. But uh, we are going to do this together and we're going to understand more about what Jesus is communicating to these people that he's talking to. Again, in light of what just happened in chapter Nine. There is one thing I want to rem remind us about. Uh, in chapter 9, verse 34, after this man that had been born blind was miraculously healed by Jesus, who spit in the dirt, made mud, rubbed the mud in this guy's eyes, and then told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And then the man could see this, this should have been an amazing celebration, right? I mean, how, how amazing is it? You would expect people to be celebrating, and many people were, but there were some people that weren't. 
And those would be the religious leaders, and they're called here the Pharisees. The, the Pharisees, just remember that these are the religious leaders. They, they have power, they have control, they're, they're kind of running the religious system, they have wealth, they have the best of the best stuff. Uh, it, it's kind of all about them. They're calling the shots. And what do they, they don't celebrate this guy's miraculous healing. They, matter of fact, in verse 34, call him a sinner. You've been steeped in sin from birth. How dare you lecture us? And then it says, they put him out of the synagogue. They put him out. Now, being put out of the synagogue, if, if it makes it easier for us to think about this, they put him out of the church. They put him out of the community. They put him out of the gathering. Well, that, that might not sound like that big of a deal, but that is a really big deal, especially when the core of what it meant to be Jewish and to participate in, in that life of all of this, what does it mean to be God's chosen uh, people? Well, if you're put out of the synagogue, I mean, you kind of are on your own. You're separated from the flock. Again, sheep don't do well when they're put out of the flock and on their own. And yet, that is what happened with these religious leaders. Instead of celebrating the miracle that God had done, they put him out of the synagogue, they insulted him, they called him a sinner. They said, we don't, we don't want anything to do with you. How dare you lecture us? So that, that's the background here. Uh, and, and now I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through here and I'm gonna read uh, verses one to 10 in John chapter 10, and then we're gonna see what we can learn from, from each of these uh, little sections here. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out all on his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, I am the door for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Now, there are two different kinds of sheep pens that Jesus talks about during this particular little section. And he does it the first, first kind he talks about in the first little part, and then the second kind we'll, we'll get to in a little bit. But this first kind of sheep pen is kind of thought of as, uh, well, it's like a community pen where it's, it's usually on the edge of a town and that's where shepherds, lots of different shepherds would bring their flocks of sheep and, and allow them to go in and sleep there for the night. There was a gatekeeper or a door holder, a door person that was there at the door would, that would open the door and let the sheep in and then when the shepherd would come back the next day to get the sheep, the, sh the, the gatekeeper or, or the under shepherd or the door holder uh, would then recognize the, the voice of the shepherd, know who the shepherd is, and the sheep even recognize 
the voice of the shepherd. And the shepherd would call them out and then they would go on their way. And so Jesus is saying all of this kind of stuff, pointing this out uh, in light of how the Pharisees have behaved toward this man who was healed. And so he's really calling out the religious leaders and saying, uh, you are not doing what God has asked of you. And this reminds us of, of something that's in Ezekiel. The prophet Ezekiel wrote uh, this under the inspiration of the Lord in, in chapter 34 of Ezekiel. It's not on the screen, but I'm just going to read it to you. And, and this is a real, it's kind of like the Lord berating, as he calls them, the shepherds of Israel, meaning the religious leaders, the elite of this religious class of folks. So I want you to listen to this from Ezekiel 34. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with no one to search or seek from them, for them. In other words, these bad shepherds, these shepherds of Israel that are being addressed here are being told that they are harming the sheep. They are seeking to destroy the sheep. They're, they're pursuing the sheep not to care for the sheep, but to fleece the sheep to get what they can out of them, to control the situation, not to bring them into the flock. But we just saw with this guy in verse 34, chapter 9, they put him out. They didn't take him in, they put him out. And so Jesus comes along and he's talking about bringing that very same man in to the fold, that he will be the good shepherd. We'll hear more about that next week. We're going to talk about this. What does he mean by saying, I am the door? What, what is the significance of that? Well, it has to do with this role of being this door holder or under shepherd, this, this person that is at the door that receives the sheep and then allows the shepherd to come and retrieve the sheep the next day uh, after uh, hopefully a good night's sleep before they carry on. But, but what is this shepherd or this under shepherd, this door holder, what is, what's that person's role? And we see that, that Jesus is calling him out saying, you're not doing this well. And we might be tempted to say, oh yeah, those pesky Pharisees, there they go again. They're just nothing but trouble. But folks, this is not just an indictment of these particular religious leaders at that particular time. We would do well to remember that this is addressing us too. If you think about it in terms of the church, how many times does the church get stuck focusing inward, focusing on us focusing on only who's here and paying no mind and no attention to those who aren't here? How many times do we end up with an inward-facing view instead of an external or outward-facing view? And 
wouldn't it be more like what Jesus is saying if we would do more reaching out rather than keeping out, right? Reaching out rather than keeping out. But that's always the temptation we have. If, if we are asked to be the, the doorkeeper here, are we opening the door for people? Are we opening the door for the sheep that God is calling into the flock? Or are we closing the door, keeping it closed, and saying, well, you, you don't quite fit the right mold, so you're not welcome. Jesus is receiving the very one here who has been rejected, overlooked. Someone who's vulnerable and put out of the community. Jesus is saying, no, come to me. Enter through me. Each of us is one of the Lord's messengers. If, if we are a believer and a follower of Jesus, if we want to be one of his disciples, and we're growing spiritually and we're becoming disciples in him, then each of us has been given a platform. Each of us is an ambassador. Each of us has been given a sphere of influence by God. No matter what we do or how we come, God has given us a way that we are then being called to open the door for other people to bring them and to allow them in to the flock to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. But are we doing that? Are we using our sphere of influence for that? No matter what you do for a living or no matter what your job might be or no matter who your friends are or where you live in your neighborhood, are we using the sphere of influence that God has given us as a means to draw people in to the flock? Because if we really tune our ear to the voice of the Lord, the voice of the good shepherd, we will very soon know that he doesn't call us to be comfortable. He doesn't call us to be complacent. He calls us to where we don't want to go and to do oftentimes a lot of the things that we don't want to do. But the good news is that he doesn't expect us to do that alone. He does not expect us to go it alone. This whole metaphor of the shepherd and the sheep means that he is going with us to lead us and to guide us. Look at verse four and five. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. But don't we listen to the wrong voices a lot of the times? In our lives that are so busy and so distracted and have so many competing things that are bombarding us for our attention, don't we have a temptation like almost all the time if not day by day, maybe even moment by moment, we have things that are competing for our attention and voices that are all calling us to follow them. So what does it mean for us to know the voice of the good shepherd, the, the actual shepherd? Do we know that? And if we know that, then what, what is that voice? What is that voice of the shepherd calling you to in your life? How is that... How is the good shepherd calling you to follow him more closely? Now, I'm not saying that this is easy, because it isn't. But 
the good news is that we, even though we're not perfect, even though we will continue to make mistakes, we follow Jesus faithfully, but not perfectly. We follow Jesus faithfully, but not perfectly. We cannot ever live up to and meet the standards of a holy God. We all fall short of God's glory. And yet, by his grace and his mercy, he continues to welcome us into his flock to lead us and to guide us and to care for us, to protect us, to heal us in whatever way his will is. That oftentimes may not be the way that we want it or the way that, the way that we would do it, but the shepherd, the good shepherd, truly cares for the sheep better than we can ever care for ourselves. So when we have this, this platform and this, this opportunity, are, are we telling other people the good news about this shepherd, about the way to find the kind of peace that only God can provide? Or are we holding the door closed and saying, I'm sorry, you just are not the right type of person so you have to stay out. Look at uh, verses seven to nine here. They didn't understand what he was getting at, even though these people would have been intimately familiar with the metaphor of the shepherd and the sheep, and they knew how all this worked. The truth was that Jesus was calling them out. They knew that there was something about what he was saying that they didn't like, but they couldn't quite put their finger on it. So he doubles down, he goes again. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the door for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Now remember, I said there are two different types of sheep pens that the Lord is, is working through here. The first kind was the, the community sheep pen where a bunch of different sheep from a bunch of different shepherds all go in and they come out the, the, the following day. But if the sheep are traveling somewhere long distance, well, they need a place to stop for the night. And so there are these pens, these sheep pens that are in these remote areas. And these are not fancy, but they have these walls and the walls go all the way around, but there's an opening where the sheep go in. There's an opening there, okay? There's no door. There's no gate or anything like that. It's just an open spot. And what happens is the shepherd stands at the entrance and he uses his rod and he inspects the sheep to care for the sheep, to make sure they don't have parasites and bugs. And again, sheep are very vulnerable. To make sure they're not injured, to make sure that they don't have any issues, and he brings them in for the night. Here's the fascinating part. Then, because there is no door, the shepherd lays down in that spot where the door would be. So the shepherd literally becomes the door, the entry and exit point. And just seeing the shepherd laying there, the sheep are comforted because they feel safe. Sheep can be very anxious but the shepherd knows how to calm the sheep down. And one of the major ways to do that is laying in that opening so that the shepherd becomes the door, communicates to the sheep, look, nobody's gonna come and harm you. Isn't that amazing that that is how Jesus is telling us that he relates to us as our shepherd, that, that he is the door. He is the entry point. He 
lets us in, but then he also calls us out. Not to go out alone, but to go out with him, to be led by him, to be guided by him. He has called you into that flock by no merit of your own, but because of his grace and mercy, he wants you. And so no matter what you've done, no matter where you come from, no matter what you've left undone, no matter any characteristic about you, the Lord offers this invitation to come and let him lead and guide you and for him to be the doorway to this life that he wants to give you. And I want to take a look at verse 10 because this is one of the most famous verses, but Listen to what this says. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. What does it mean to have life to the full? What it, we, another way that's translated is, is life abundant. What does abundance mean? Does that mean we, we should plan on getting lots and lots of stuff? No, that's, that's an Americanized version of materialism that sometimes gets imported into this. When Jesus is talking about living life to the full, he's talking about living the new life that is only possible in him. That is the only way that we truly are fulfilled is when we are called into and then being led into this life that Jesus has prepared for us. Are we following that voice? Do we know that voice? Will you follow that voice? A lot of times, we listen to the voices that are trying to steal and kill and destroy. Sometimes we can't tell the difference, right? Sometimes we think that we might be doing the right thing, following the right voices, but really, we're only leading ourselves into greater and greater trouble. Because we don't want to be sheep, do we? I mean, who wants to be? I just got done saying sheep aren't very smart. They can't really take care of themselves. They're very vulnerable. They're defenseless. Uh, put your hand up. Do you, you want to be a sheep? Okay, that's really not what we're looking for. We would rather be the shepherd. And, and we think to ourselves, well, if I can just get the right information, follow the right program, take the right online webinar or whatever it is, consume enough self-help books at Barnes & Noble, then maybe... Maybe I can be my own shepherd. Huh? I'd rather be the shepherd, not the sheep. I want to be the one calling the shots. I want people to listen to me. I want people to realize how wonderful I am. I want to tell them what to do. I'm not interested in being a sheep. But here's the deal. Leading ourselves only leads to disaster. Leading ourselves only leads to disaster. We can deceive ourselves in many ways and try to pretend that that's not true because it really is uncomfortable to accept. But in the end, we need a shepherd. We need the good shepherd. We need the faithful shepherd. Do you hear his voice? Do you hear him calling? Because he's calling now, right now, either for the first time or over and over and over again. Jesus continues to call us and welcomes us in to his flock. But some of you might be thinking, well, what are you talking about? This whole, this whole idea of hearing the voice and 
recognizing the voice and knowing the voice and that all seems pretty ambiguous and I don't really know what that means. I don't know how to do that. I don't know why I would need to do that. I think I'm doing just fine, thank you very much. Uh, I, I just wanna talk about three things that really help us zero in on what it means to hear the voice of the shepherd. The first is that the word of God is proclaimed. The word of God is proclaimed. A lot of times in this life, how many times do you run into a situation where somebody says, well, I don't know about all this Jesus stuff, but um, I'm spiritual. Uh, I don't read the Bible. I don't need to. I, I, you know, I have these mystical experiences and I, I just have these feelings and all of this kind of stuff. And that, that's, what I, that, that's what I go off of. Well, whenever we decouple or untether the word of God, from what we think the voice of God is saying, then we are setting ourselves up for complete and total disaster. A lot of times I run into to folks or have conversations with folks and they'll say, well, I just haven't heard from the Lord. I haven't heard from the Lord. I wanna hear from the Lord, I haven't heard from the Lord. Well, have you spent any time in scripture? Have you prayerfully meditated on God's word? Well, no, why would I do that? Well, guess what? That is how God is speaking to us. He's given us his word. We have access to it in all of these different ways. And yet, most of the time, it's the very last resource we go looking for. What would it be like if we searched the word of God? Well, that, the second part is that words are just words unless the word of God is illuminated by the Holy Spirit and it's the Holy Spirit that applies the word to our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit that applies the word to our hearts. So when we are proclaiming the word of God, like we're doing right now, it doesn't just happen in this particular large environment like this, it can happen in small groups. It can happen with you spending time alone reading the word of God and asking God to reveal truth to you. And he will, he will. Now. It's, although I've talked to some people that, that have heard an audible voice, um, that's usually not how this works. Usually how it works is that you suddenly know and become aware of the deep truth about something that you were not aware of even moments before. God intervenes, he illuminates, he brings to life in us, in our hearts, his word. And the third thing is that faith clings to the shepherd as we follow him, C clings to the promises. And so we, uh, I want us to make sure we see how this works. The word of God is proclaimed. The spirit then brings that word to life in us and through us. And then it comes with a gift. And that gift is faith. And that faith is what clings to the promises of God no matter the struggles, no matter the challenges, no matter what we face, that faith is a gift given by God's grace, abundant grace. As John said all the way back in chapter one, grace upon grace. And so this faith that we have been given then is what helps us cling to the shepherd. The good news is the shepherd is already clinging to us. The shepherd has already scooped us up and carries us close to his heart. And so I want to ask you two questions. I want you to kind of prayerfully consider these. Don't be so quick to answer these. 
The first one, what voices have you tuned your ears to in your life, in your circumstances, whatever you're going through? What voices have you tuned your ears to that are in competition with the voice of the good shepherd? Are you trying to lead yourself? Are you trying to guide yourself? Are you trying to be your own shepherd? Or do you have a shepherd? Are you tuning your ear to his voice and following him to where he is leading and guiding you? The second question is, what doors are you trying to walk through? Because when it comes to doors, all of us meet all different kinds of doors in our lives. And we even have expressions that talk about like, well, we're going to break down the door. And so if, if we think of our lives maybe as a, a long hallway with lots of doors all the way down, you know, we go up to the door of what we want. And we say, I want to get in there. What if the door is locked? What if we can't get in? What do we do? Well, we generally speaking, don't take the time to seek the Lord and ask the Lord like, well, do you want me to go through this door or not? And so we check the handle and we might find it locked. And so we say, but I want that. And so the next step is we try to kick the door down, right? Nobody's going to keep me out. I kick the door down. Maybe if I can't kick it down, I get a chainsaw and cut a hole in it so I can get in there. But what would it be like if instead we, we asked, Lord, what do you want for me? What doors will you open for me so that I can go through? Will we allow him to be the one guiding and leading us or will we choose to lead ourselves? I want you to think about those two things today. And as you consider what it means for Jesus to be the entry point, not only to go in to the life that God has for you, but also to call you out of your comfort zone and not to send you alone out into the world, but will you follow him out to where he is leading and guiding you, knowing that regardless of what we face, God is good, God is faithful, and our shepherd is with us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had together. We thank you for the good news of who you are. Lord, we're just so amazed at how you care for us, how you love us, how you provide for us. You are our protector, provider, and our, our great physician. So Lord, we, we continue to surrender our lives to you and ask that you lead and guide us in ways that only you can. Thank you that your word has the power to raise the dead. Would you raise us up into this new life that you have for us that's only possible through you? We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.